0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the Book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Appreciate you joining us again today for our Bible study in the Book of Romans can't think of a better place to be than the book of Romans. What a great book for us to understand who we are. Not just who we are in our sinfulness, that's our past, that's our BC life, but who we are in Christ and the marvelous grace that God has expressed to us in the person and work of Jesus And we're going to see that, and we have seen it, really, Uh, but we're going to see it in some really wonderful ways here in the next couple of episodes, and I'm excited about that. Uh, Today, we want to continue what we began yesterday, verses 1 through 8 in the book of Romans of chapter 3, helps us to understand that it is advantageous uh, for the Jews that they had the law, but the argument was, well, wait a minute. Uh, They have the law, but if the law just makes people look sinful, and in that stark contrast of man's sinfulness, it actually makes God look that much more righteous. Not that he can be more righteous than he is, but in the perception of people, it makes him that much more righteous then maybe we should just sin so God looks better. Maybe we should just do evil and sin more that God's righteousness must might be that much more pronounced. And of course, that's that's foolish talk, as the Apostle Paul demonstrated. In fact, look at verse number nine, Romans chapter three, and verse number nine. What then? He says in conclusion to what we talked about yesterday. What then? Are we better than they? So. What, what is Paul saying here? Are we better than they? So remember that all of verses one through eight kind of deals with this extended conversation about the Jews back from chapter two and how the Jews thought that they were better than others because we have the law. We know the law. You don't. And Paul said, yeah, but just because you have it and just because you know it doesn't mean that, that, that you're better. In fact, uh, it means you're more accountable because you have this special revelation and your heart, it's a heart issue and your heart is not right, remember? So then he had to add, but there is an advantage that you have had the law and you should have been faithful and it should have led you to God. Now it didn't, but your unfaithfulness doesn't in any way negate the faithfulness of God to you. So here to conclude that whole thing, And comparing Gentiles and Jews, Paul says, so what then? Are we, Paul was a Jew, are we Jews better than the Gentiles? And the point is no. No, because the the point that we've been making from chapter 1 and verse 18 to this very point here in chapter 3 and verse 9 is that whether you're a Gentile or a Jew, you are a sinner. And whether it be your conscience that has accused you or the law of God itself that has specifically accused you, we are all under the righteous accusation of God. Look at verse number nine again. So what then? Are we better than they? No, not not, in no wise, not in any way, said the apostle Paul, for we have before proved We've already been over this. We've talked about this back in chapter one, chapter two. We have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And that's the indictment. Remember back to chapter one and verse 18, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We are, there's nobody that can stand before a holy God and say, I am righteous. No, his conscience will argue against that. The law of God will demonstrate against that. No, there is conclusive external evidence that every single person is a sinner, whether he be a Gentile or a Jew. Now, in verses 10, and some of these verses are very familiar to some of you listeners and, watch, and viewers, but uh, verses 10 through verse 18, is just a power-packed section in the book of Romans, all of which are Old Testament quotations. So a number, at least six, but more, really, Old Testament passages are quoted here. This is the Apostle Paul just providing evidence upon evidence upon evidence. Don't take my word for it. This is not just Paul's opinion. This is not just something I'm making up as some kind of new age preacher. No, this is foundationed upon what the word of God says and has said. So he buttresses his message, the message he's been preaching from the word of God. And, and therein is a great template for every preacher, and that is that the points that we make and the strong statements that we make ought to be predicated upon the Word of God. We ought to be, we ought to be scriptural preachers, and the foundation for the assertions that we make ought to be the Word of God uh, itself. So look at verse number 10 where he says, as it is written, here's what the word of God says. And then he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm looking at my margin here and noting that this is a quotation from Psalm 14, uh, verses one through three. And we won't reference every Old Testament uh, reference, but you ought to look these up. Wow. How, how, uh, How validating to your faith this is, to know that this is not just somebody's opinion, but this is the word of God. So in establishing the sinfulness of both Jew and Gentile, Paul says, the Bible says so, as it's written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Nobody can claim a righteous standing before God based upon his works. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. You know, absent God's prevenient grace, nobody is seeking God. Now, obviously, the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And uh, there is sometimes a longing and a desire on the part of man to seek God. But that's only because God has extended grace. So the Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. They're, they are all gone out of the way. Do you see the superlatives here? None, all. All they're all gone out of the way they are together all of them become unprofitable that means worthless so so the the sum total of man's efforts to be righteous is worthless is empty is vain is unprofitable then the bible says there is none that doeth good no not one not even one person is what that means so what is the emphasis the emphasis he- here is upon the totality of sinfulness in the human race, that nobody who has ever lived has achieved a righteous standing before God. Nobody has has in a pure sense done good. It's not to say that man relative to himself does not do good works, but there's always that taint of unrighteousness, that taint of motive, that taint... And so the Bible teaches that there is nobody who has achieved that level of righteousness or goodness that would be defined by God. Wow, what an indictment. And again, this is not Paul saying, this is my opinion. These are the claims of scripture itself. Would you look at verse number 13? So in verses 13 through 18, the apostle Paul expands upon Again, using scripture for all of it. But he expands upon the uh, the the level to which mankind is a sinner. And he specifies it by actually talking about the different ways by which we sin. So he references, for instance, the way we speak. He references the things we do. He references the way we think. Why? Because sin invades all of it. A sin is, is a matter of the way we think and the internal desires that we have. It's a matter of what we say. It's a matter of, of what we do and where we go. And so the Apostle Paul expands upon the sinfulness, the sinful condition of man, to kind of slam dunk this argument. So look at verse number 13 as he talks about the sin of our words. Look at verse number 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Wow, like an open grave. But what a way to talk about uh, our words. Yeah, that the things he says, you talk about potty mouth. This is worse than potty mouth. This is grave mouth, right? Their throat is an open sepulcher. That With their tongues, they have used deceit, duplicitous speaking, double-tongued, saying one thing to one person, another thing to another person, saying one thing but meaning another. The Bible says their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps, the most poisonous and deadly snake of the day, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So four separate statements, all of which have to do with the words of people. I find it interesting that James, in James chapter 3, talks about the... The danger of the tongue. The tongue can no man tame, he said. It it is an unruly evil. For therewith, with the tongue, therewith bless we God. And therewith curse we men, which are made out of the similitude of, after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. So the tongue. and, And boy, we give ourselves away in our sinfulness just by the words we say. If that were the only indictment. If God never talked about the way we think, if God never talked about the things we do, if God never talked about the places we go, if God only talked about the words we say, that would be enough to condemn every single person who has ever lived to being a sinner, right? So uh, we talk about the mouth but or, or the word. Now, now look at verse number 15. Their feet, So now when you talk about someone's feet, you talk about their direction. You talk about the things they do, the places they go, the life they live, the direction they take. So watch what it says here. Their feet are swift to shed blood. So they have a propensity for evil. Uh, They have a, they're quick to make bad choices. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Uh, destruction and misery are in their ways. A way is a road or the way that we walk. So what is the apostle Paul doing here? He's saying, wow, mankind as a general rule, uh, gets himself into trouble quickly. And in getting himself into trouble, trouble, he brings upon himself destruction. Why? Because, uh, there is a way, a road that seems right to a man, but the end, the destination, that the the ending point of that road is destruction. Destruction and misery uh, are in their ways because man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward, uh, the Bible says in the book of Job. And so what does sin do? sin. What does sin produce? Sin produces destruction. What does sin bring? Sin brings misery. So how is Paul describing via the word of God the sinfulness of man? He's sinful throughout sinful in his words, sinful in his actions, sinful in his decisions. Look at verse number 17. The way of peace have they not known. You know, sin brings, as we said, misery, but there's, there's no peace of heart. Uh, there is no real rest of one's soul. A Peace only comes from the prince of peace. And we can't have peace in our heart unless we have peace with God. And there is not peace with God outside of the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have peace with God uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in Romans chapter 5. And so while peace is available to man, and while sometimes we enjoy a modicum of peace in our life, No, there really is no lasting peace that can rule the heart because of our sinful condition. Look at verse number 18. And here is really, I believe, the summary of all of it. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Fear of God means there is no real apprehension. There's no real proper response to our knowledge of God. The fear of God means I am in awe of him. I am in reverential awe of God. And that reverence and that awe of God curbs my behavior. But when I don't have a fear of God, there can be no wisdom. Because that's where wisdom begins with the fear of God. There can be no knowledge. No, with no fear of God, with only a concentration on the satisfaction of my own lusts, it's going to bring more and more compounding sin in my life. And Paul said, this is the condition of man. Now, please come back tomorrow because we are going to jump into some great news, the best news of all time. I don't want you to miss it. Have a great day today. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.